Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Julie Phillips-Hatch, and we will be talking about her journey as well as her uh, new book, A Parenting Revolution for Higher Evolution, Raising Resilient, Responsible, Compassionate Kids from the Inside Out. Julie Phillips-Hatch is a pediatric nurse practitioner, an acupuncturist, a parenting specialist, and a mom. She is a traditional Western medicine practitioner turned alternative holistic practitioner. Her passion has always been about helping kids. She spent many years working in pediatrics, first in pediatric intensive care, then in neonatal intensive care. Eventually, her focus shifted, and she found her way into the realm of Eastern medicine and holistic health, where she attained her, a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine, encompassing acupuncture, herbal medicine, and mind-body-spirit practices. In addition to having a thriving holistic healthcare and acupuncture practice in Massachusetts, she coaches parents on alternative methods of parenting that honor a child's inner spirit and nature. Four years ago, she started her parent counseling business, Mums on a Mission, Consciously Connecting with Our Kids, where she offers parenting advice. Her mission is to help kids find the emotional, mental, and physical health they all deserve, and it starts with the parents. Julie also hosts the parenting podcast called Julie Hatch, Hatch Moms on a Mission, on many popular podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. And today, Julie is here to talk about her new Amazon number one best-selling book, as I mentioned, A Parenting Revolution for Higher Evolution, Raising Resilient, Responsible, and Compassionate Kids from the Inside Out. For more information, you can visit Julie's website, which is juliephillipshatch.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Julie to the show. Good day, Julie. Good day, Robert. Thank you for the welcome, and thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. It is my pleasure, and anything we can do to help parents and children <laughs> is, is, uh, is something that I really look forward to. So um, yeah. I usually like to start show with, you know, kind of with inspiration. Inspiration is the name of the show. Um, what inspired you to write this particular book? Um, well, working with kids for so many years, um, I have started to see, and I don't think it would be a surprise to anyone that the, that the, one of the bigger reasons that kids come in to see, or parents bring their kids in to see me for acupuncture or otherwise, is uh, levels of anxiety. And kids are growing up with a 
a lot of anxiety. Um, depression is a, is growing as well. And this was all before pandemic. It's just, um, it's just, I think, a complicated, challenging world to grow up in these days. And kids are facing it with a whole lot of anxiety. And I just find that a real shame for um, kids to grow up and enter adulthood already anxious and depressed. Um, so I, that's what inspired me was that the problems with anxiety, depression in kids today, because they don't deserve that. No, they don't. No, they don't. And, and there's certainly plenty of time later in life to, to deal with uh, anxiety and, and depression. Um, not, not saying that we should, but I'm just saying, you know, right. for kids, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, that's particularly, um, you know, damaging in a way. So can you give right. us an idea of what, what is in this book? Yeah. The, um, so it talks about the subtitle was raising your conscious, compassionate, conscious, resilient kids from the inside out. So from the inside out comes from um, Eastern medicine. And that means that build the child's inside, their strength, their natural strengths, their innate wisdom, their, what they, their spirit that they already have in them, um, which is them, the individual unique them, build that up. And then everything on the outside, how they do in life, how they are in school, what they do with their life will naturally fall into place. But first, the inside needs to be honored, recognized, built up, and, um, and nourished. And, and then, like I say, things will fall into place once that. That's a, that's a fundamental, it's a root, that's a foundation of their strength and their confidence and how they're going to go through life is if they're inside um, is strong and healthy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's real important. It's, it's kind of setting that base for you know the the tools you know to be to be used later in life. Um, now, right. what when it comes to um, the idea of holistic parenting, can can you tell us uh, tell us about that? So I think that holistic, well, holistic medicine is um, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. So I see holistic parenting as looking at the child's mind, body, and spirit, spirit underlined, because <laughs> we, um, it's easy, we pay attention to their mind, how they're doing in grades and in school, and their body, how they're doing in athletics, but their spirit, who is, what, what is making, what's driving them, what is their spirit all about? And part of holistic parenting also includes uh, mindfulness, being conscious and being really present with your child, being mindfully present with your child, which is the whole area of parenting, really, of being, of living, is living mindfully and consciously. So that, that comes into holistic parenting, parenting as well. And I think that um, an example of what I see holistic parenting as um, it's a quote from Wendy Mogul's book, Blessings of a Skin and Knee. And she talks about how as a parent, we have a, pretend you have a um, package of wildflower seeds and you don't know what they're going to look like. So you pick out one flower seed and you plant it in fertile dirt and you water it and you give it sunshine and you take care of it. But you don't know what this wildflower is going to be. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know when it's going to bloom. Is it going to prefer shade or sun? You don't know anything about it, but you nourish it and you keep encouraging it to grow 
And when it glows, grows and blossoms into who or what it's supposed to be as a, as a wildflower, you, you cherish it and you nourish it and you're grateful for it. So that's how I see as our children is that we just nourish it. We don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to turn out, or, but to nourish their, their core essence, water them, nourish them, pull the weeds every now and then, and then be, you know, then, then um, honor the flower, the child, that is what emerges. So that's, yeah, that kind yeah, of that's into, I think that's kind of holistic. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, and it's um, a, a focus on the child. I don't think that you know, you know, in the fifties and sixties and seventies, that that, that that was the body, mind, and spirit. The whole package, as, as far as um, you know, what to to nourish and grow, wasn't always seen. Now, um, what? what what do you what's your opinion of you know current some of the current um tension i i don't always like to bring up conflict but this is kind of in the the essence of knowing a child um mm-hmm. in we we have you know situations like right now newsworthy is the the focus on transgender children now yeah. this is so this is one of those areas where you know I've seen I mean you've seen shows where where there's that supportive aspect of of that and then there's the, the contrary you know the anti yeah. aspect. Yeah. Um, what can you tell tell us your feeling about that and 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 how a holistic parenting approach would address that kind of situation. Yes. Um, and my, um, well, it's interesting you asked this because I am in the process of, of probably changing my opinion about it. And I initially, before I really knew anything about, um, transgender in kids was I, and I, still kind of believe this, that for a child to be allowed to um, to go through surgical procedures and take hormonal medications before they really know who they are is probably not a good idea, especially if it's irreversible. But then again, mm-hmm. I have also heard people say, younger people say, well, actually, when they're that young, they really do know that they don't want to be the gender that they are. They, they do know inside. And so that's kind of new to me, but I don't doubt it. Um, and so to raise them according to who they really think that they are. The question is, is um, well, yeah, you know, do they really know who they are? And I think so. I think the kids do know. The other thing is that the American Academy of Pediatrics, who I'm a big proponent of, I, I you know, follow them. And I think that in the Western world, that's the best pediatric organization to um, follow scientifically. They are addressing that. They're saying, "Yep, this is this is real, and this is what." And they agree with supporting the child for the most part, not in a hundred percent, but they say, "Yep, this is something that we now are going to have to contend with, and it's okay." And so we want to support them in their decisions, and that can be a hard, hard one for for parents to swallow. And it's and I can understand that, but I do believe that um, you can't deny it. If that, if the child feels like they are a different gender. You can try, as with any 
aspect of a child. You can try to squelch it and make it go away and pretend it's not there, but that just does not work. So it's easier to go along with what really is the real them. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, when it comes to the child's understanding of who they are, you know, that, mm-hmm. I mean, that, it really gets down to um, that essence of, of being able to recognize if a child is fully aware, you know, of, you know, the implications of what they're saying and feeling, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and you know, and, and you know, it, it is a, a really tough one. And, you know, I like the fact that you indicated that you kind of, you're evolving, you know, you're understanding, yeah. you know, as you're understanding, increases you're involving you're evolving your opinion you know and I think you know that falls right in line you know with the idea of parenting evolution for higher evolution you know that evolutionary process right and I will add that or or emphasize that negating it or or putting your head in the sand and pretending that that is not that it's not an issue or that your child isn't struggling with it or whatever it does no good I, I don't have the answer of what is the right thing to do but i know that that's the wrong thing to do to try to say nope that's not that's not him or her nope nope not going to deal with that that doesn't help anybody <laughs> no no you know and for the child you know who is feeling you know who has those very personal feelings for them to see the adults around them, you know, denying or putting their heads in the sand or even trying to correct the situation. Um, it has yep. to be very devastating because it's, it's, yeah. they're, they're powerless to the feelings. And that's not a good um, tool for, for a child. Very true. And I think it's also, there's probably a bit of, um, shame. I think that kids, parents easily or quickly are ones to shame their kids in terms of having a negative opinion or or denouncing what they what they're wanting to say, <clears throat> and and feeling embarrassed and shameful can be really devastating for a child. So, on this topic of transgender, that can be very embarrassing and humiliating and shaming. So it needs to be treated very carefully. I think between a parent and a child. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's just important. I think that uh, the child um, explore, you know, kind of, you know, what their feelings are, you know, and and rather than yeah. you know that, then you know, just explore it, look at it, you know, question it, wonder, you know. I mean, I think all of that would only help the child get a clearer sense of self, whatever that is for them. Right. I absolutely, I completely agree with that is to explore because I think that childhood, and again, no matter what you're talking about, whether it's um, sexuality or gender or or anything or tattoos or piercings or trying drugs, whatever, (laughs) to experiment Uh is, um, that's the only way that they can find out what is, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And hiding them away from or not letting them try different things. I mean, being able to experiment has just is so beneficial in so many ways. It offers them a chance to 
try something and fail, try something and see that they like it, try something and see that they don't like it. But that's the only way they're going to know. Us saying, oh, this is, you're going to like this, or you're not going to like this, or you should do this, or you should do that, um, isn't really all that helpful to them. <laughs> um, maybe that adds a little bit of guidance, but they, to experience it and to, and like you say, explore, to talk with people and learn about it, I mean, that's, that's the best way to make any kind of a decision in anybody's life. And to do it when you're a kid or pre-adolescent or an adolescent is the best time to do it, not when you're going through horrible times as a 30 or 40 or 50 year old and um, having to uncover everything and get to what you should have dealt with back in the younger years. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, all of those years, uh, that, that belief provides a basis for so many behaviors and choices, you know, for, for years to come, it's good to be able to at least, um, demonstrate some kind of uh, problem-solving, you know, way or or some kind of uh, life tool to to be used. Um, So what makes your book different than other parenting books? Well, um, probably the most unique thing, it's not not for all the average kind of parents that are looking for help about how to make your child fall asleep or – how to help your child get good grades or that kind of stuff. Um, it's not quite, well, it is, there is some practicality, but it's not, but I think that probably the audience of your show are, are the, are the target audience. Um, so it's different because it talks about the child's inner nature, their, their spirit, their true, their spirit, their true nature. Um, you could call it their Buddha nature. It is who they are at the core and what makes them who they are unique. And I get into that based on the on traditional Chinese medicine, talking about the five element types. And so I emphasize honoring your child's <clears throat> inner nature and, and raise them according to that, not according to our own expectations or desires or wants for this child, but what they what is right for the child. Because I think that parenting through the years has been all about the parent saying, okay, this is what you should do, this is what you need to do, this is what I want you to do, this is what society wants you to do, which is okay to an extent, but not to the point where it negates what the child wants or needs, really needs more than wants. Um, and so it's, it's really paying attention to connecting to your child consciously, really understanding them and what they're all about and what they need to be able to be, quote, unquote, happy or quote-unquote successful in life. And I talk about what is your definition of success. You know, is it going to an Ivy League school, which is fine if that's what the kid wants to do, or is it having a big pocketbook and driving a fancy car? Um, So so it's getting to the core of your child and, again, raising from the inside out rather than just just the outside and the outside accomplishments and appearances and superficialities. Yeah. Now I'm going to show my age here a little bit, but there was a, an old original Star Trek episode where the, <laughs> the children were kind of taken and, and you know into their particular uh, skills, where, where their interests lie, and you know they're artisans and crafters and engineers. I mean, but, but I, I every time I think about that, it, to me it, it's just uh, it just really shows, I think, a perfect example of, you know, the the child has innate um, desires and skills and talents, yeah. whatever they are, 
but and, and being able to, you know, discover what they are, you know, is, is a wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, I will say, you know, when it comes to parent and child interactions, and I have seen many that um, the children and the parents kind of butt heads, you know, I mean, they're the ones that they know their triggers and, you know, and it's quite often parents <laughs> have children who are quite different <laughs> than themselves by nature, Yeah, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, funny because, I mean, it then becomes a, a learning situation, a real learning situation for both, you know, for the child from the parent's style and the parent from the child's style. But, um, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things I think that we need to um, be open to or be able to recognize those innate talents. Yes. Exactly. I'll have to look up that Star Trek episode. I haven't seen it, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. That'd be great. But yeah. So now you mentioned five elements um, in last uh, question. So can you tell us, you know, the five elements is a way to understand the energetics of a child. Right. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just wanted to kind of highlight what those energetics are. Yes. And I'm glad you put it that way. That is the energetics because that's exactly what it is. It's the, not the, not the physical. Well, there are physical components to all the five elements as well, but I talk about it, especially about the energetics about again, who they are, their, their nature, their essence, their, inner energy and the five elements there are different elements in different um, Eastern cultures, but in Chinese medicine, the five elements are um, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And they all have different <clears throat> traits and, and characteristics about them. And their um, element type, which is reflective of what their inner nature is, what their true nature is, they all have um, strengths, things that make your child thrive, things that the kid just loves about life, what makes them thrive, what enlivens them, what makes them feel really good and passionate about whatever it is we're talking about. And then there are, so those are motivators, and then there are challenges or stressors, and those are things that are really difficult for a child of that particular element type to handle. For instance, a earth child loves to have their family around. They need their caretakers around, their teachers, their friends. Um, they need people around them. They're people, 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 and they're people pleasers. And they like to have everybody happy and, and make, make the environment stable with people getting along. So if you take an earth child and don't let him be with his family, like if he's alone all afternoon after school, he's, that's a stressor for him. He's going to have a hard time being alone without knowing, knowing where his family is, not having any kind of a family member around them. Some kids are great on their own. They would love to be alone, left alone um, for the afternoon after school, age appropriate. But an earth child has a hard time with that because they need their people. They need their tribe around them, their family around them. So that's just an example of what, what a stressor might set a child off and then when that child a child feels a stressor of an element type then you're going to get them acting out they're going to misbehave or they're going to yell or they're going to argue or they're going to cry or whatever because 
that stressor is being poked at and it's making them feel really badly and they need to communicate the fact that this is not good. I did not want to be left alone with no, no family members in the house with me. Um, and then they act out. So the, so the, the element types teach you what, what turns your child on, what they love and what enlivens them. And it also tells you what to try to avoid or that they're going to have to learn how to handle. Um, <clears throat> wood children are really, really hyperactive. And so telling them to sit still in a classroom for an hour is a huge challenge for them. It's a huge stressor and you're going to get, you're going to get backlash with yelling or arguing or bouncing around in their seat because they can't sit still. So it's just awareness of what your child is about, um, what helps them, what hurts them, and then figuring out or working with them to, to, to manage those stressors and to find the opportunities to um, nourish their strengths and the, the good, their motivators. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much what five elements do. Now, the, do we all have um, elements of the element, you know, um, pieces of the element, um, a combination, um, or, and maybe one dominant one? Yes, we do all have one dominant one, and that we're born with and we will die with, and is, it, is, it doesn't change. This is our dominant one. Often people then have a, a very close second one, and that's a supporting, <coughs> supporting element type. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, we all certainly have little bits and pieces of all of them, and some people have a very even distribution of all of them. That's pretty unusual. But all of us have a dominant type, and that is um, that is the element type. And so, and if you do have a, a strong supporting one, sometimes depending on phases that you go through life, your element type may may come out, may manifest um, differently. Maybe more like the supporting type, but the but they don't change. The dominant one is the dominant one for <clears throat> forever. Okay, good, good. Well, um, we're going to take um, a quick break here, Julie, and I do want to invite listeners, if you would like to call in and ask Julie any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359, um, and those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. And then when we come back from break, Julie, I want to talk about, you know, in in your book title, you talk about a revolution for higher evolution. So when you come back, I'm going to talk about exactly what higher evolution would look like, okay? Okay, sounds good. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, 
and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. Our special guest is Julie Phillips-Hatch, and we're talking about her new book, A Parenting Revolution for Higher Evolution, Raising Resilient, Responsible, Compassionate Kids from the Inside Out. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is www.juliephillipshatch.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Julie. Hello, Robert. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) (laughs) Great, thanks. So, um, a parenting revolution for higher evolution. So, I I guess, first let's talk about higher evolution. Um, Exactly what does that look like? Um, Well, higher evolution in general, which I think, Part of the planet is moving towards, certainly not all of it, but it's a level of higher mm-hmm. consciousness amongst people where they are, there's a higher level just of consciousness, of mindfulness, of um, satisfaction with just, with just the way things, not the way things are, but the way, just feeling good about um, who they are, what they are. And so moving this into kids, same thing with kids, making, helping them to feel good about who they are as a person. A higher evolution of kids are those who are kind of opposite of today in terms of who are, who are not anxious and not depressed and who are well prepared for life and who feel, feel really good about who they are on the inside. Meaning that they um, have, they just, they have self-worth without, without needing to go to Facebook or TikTok or wherever or, <laughs> Instagram to get the um, um, valid, validity of who they are, but that they have it on the inside. They don't have to go to the outside to get validity. They don't have to go to the outside to feel good about themselves. They naturally, because of the way that they're raised, feel confident, feel resilient, feel good about who they are. And when you can do that, then they are able to bring forth to the world what they have to offer, what they innately are are good at, what they are innately interested in, and um, rather than feeling pressure to do what what is not innately there, um, pressure to, I think the most common, what I always come up with as an example is to make a really good a really good living. No matter what that is, the more money you make, the better better off you're going to be. And that is not living consciously. <laughs> you know, if you make a great living mm-hmm. and you love what you're doing and it's contributing to the world, then great. But making a good, working just for the sake of good living is not a higher conscious way. And so I think that to raise our kids to, to know who they are, what they want, um, deep within, helps to bring that about, the higher consciousness. Yeah. So, and, and you indicated a parenting revolution. So why, how revolution or why revolution rather than a parenting evolution? Well, I suppose it could be a parenting, an evolving way of parenting. That's that um, that could be the way that it is. 
but my idea of a revolution is changing the paradigm. And so maybe it's evolving. I'd like to think that does evolve, (laughs) um, changing the paradigm of how we parent and, and having it more of a, I think I would call it more child-centered, less parent-centered, less what the parent's agenda is and wants and and believes is best for their kids, um, and more a child-centered and let the child lead us and teach us what um, we need to know about them. And so that's just a different way of parenting. So I guess that's why I call it a revolution because it's a change in it's a change in the paradigm. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Now, Now. Do you did, do you you have kids, correct? So did you do you did you um, use some of the particular uh, perspectives in child rearing that that you have in this book? Yes, um, but <laughs> I've learned most of this came from again my schooling in acupuncture and Chinese medicine, which was I was well into. I was well, well into my parenting years and my adult years. Um, what I had learned there is what I write about and what I practice now and what I and what I coach parents about. <clears throat> but I, even before that, when I was raising my kids, I did innately do that. I followed those kind of quite anyways, um, not consciously not knowing what I was doing <laughs> um, and then how it pertains to what, I, what I've learned since. But I do... Um, I, I, yeah, that I think that is just my style, which is why this jives with me. Everything that I've learned and that I teach just just resonates with the way that I was as a parent, mostly or partly, not completely, not 100%. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> nobody does a great, nobody is, I certainly know Mrs. Mom of the Year, but I did I did kind of follow, and now I definitely use it. Even though my kids are, are adults, they're all in their 20s, um, I still interact with them based on this kind of. I, I still think about their element types and and what they need and how I should respond to them. Okay. So yes, I used it and I still do. Great, good. Now, is there any particular right style of parenting? I guess you know sometimes you know we like to judge you know whether it's right way yeah. or the wrong way. Can you tell us about, you know, the idea of if there is a right or wrong way? I don't think that there is a right way or wrong way. There are probably a couple of wrong ways, but I definitely don't think that there is one right way or even two right ways. I think it depends on the individual child. It depends on the parent and even more so the parent-child interaction. So anybody who has more than one child knows that different kids need different things from us. No, no two kids, even twins, um, need or benefit from the exact same thing. So we have to be aware of what each different child needs. I think that um, a wrong way to parent is, as I mentioned or alluded to before, was um, shaming and humiliating and where oh, people are always yelling at their kids and saying, they're just, they're just, I don't know. They're getting down on them, and I think that they do embarrass them and humiliate them very un, unintentionally. But I think that um, a, a chapter in my book is called "Do No Harm," and that if we just berate our children and didn't and just gave them positive feedback rather than always negative feedback, that in itself would be a huge difference in how we in how we parent and how our kids receive the information they get from us. Not um, like I say, not in a um, demeaning kind of a way. 
And I yeah. think that um, that's probably about the biggest, I would say, thing that you don't want to do as a parent. Because that just, that just wrecks their any kind of confidence, any kind of self-worth, any kind of feeling good about who they are on the inside just gets wrecked by being berated and humiliated and embarrassed and, and even just mildly so. Like I say, a lot of times parents don't know the damage that they're doing with just simple words. Yeah, you know, and when you talk about the yelling, I'm, it drives me crazy when I see <laughs> Parents yelling at children. You know, I mean, I came from a very yelling was very common. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, yeah. uh, and and yelling is not one of my um, preferred ways of dealing with things. You know, and uh-huh. and, it, and it grates me. So when I see it happening, you know, I'm kind of recognizing, you know, what. It, it triggers back to my reaction yeah. when when it yeah and um and the, you know to me that's just one of the most harmful things that parents can do yet you just see it time and time again and I understand those frustrations yeah. too I mean I've had a yeah. time where I've had to kind of grit my teeth and just you know calmly yeah. you know approach where yelling would have been just. You know, it was a learned experience. Yell, you know, when you have this kind of thing, you yell back. You know, you yell. You yeah. Know, and, um, <laughs> but but I, I just don't think parents realize the just the true impact. I mean, some people is like, well, I'm just yelling. You know, I mean, it's it's nothing. You know, but to some people, it is something. Yeah, I think some cultures also naturally yell. <laughs> it's just the way they communicate. But that aside. Um, it's and I it is it's a reaction from parents to start yelling, and so again a higher consciousness is to just take a second before you react and just want to yell. I mean we all do it. There's nothing we all do it, no doubt. But to take just a second and breathe and think, okay, how do I want to respond rather than to react? And that takes practice, but that is a higher consciously way or a more mindful way of parenting. To just, and breathing really is a great way to interject a little bit of space in between your yelling reaction and your child receiving that. Um, so that's, a, that's, just a, that's just one easy, well, I don't know if it's easy to do. It's simple um, thing to do. If you mm-hmm. hesitate for a second before yelling, you know, as you take in your breath to yell, hold it for a second and, and think, okay, how do I want to respond rather than react? Yeah, 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 very much. I agree with that one. Um, So now, you know, we mentioned a little bit on, you know, in today's world, uh, children and youth, you know, are really confronted with just so much. And and there is a a huge issue with depression um, and anxiety and fear in our youth. Um, Can you talk about what are maybe some of the contributing what, what are some things that contribute to it like i mean i'm obviously yelling and that you know in one particular way would do that but what are some other ways that would contribute to to the um that a child having the reaction of fear insecurity yeah i think um the, i don't know if that's the number one um but certainly an important and the first 
thing that we can do something about is how we um, how we are as parents. If we are if we are parents who are riddled with anxiety and can't get through a day without something to help out help our anxiety. If our parent, if our kids are seeing that we're that we deal with things really anxiously and that we take take on life in a really anxious way, we really would behoove our kids if we figured out our own anxiety, tried to solve that or at least reduce it so that then we are presenting a um, healthier way to live life to our kids because our kids pick up everything. They learn everything about how to live life from us, especially in the first years when all they have in their um, sphere of influence is us. So things that we do and model and how we are, um, that's what they absorb and say, oh, well, this is the way that you're supposed to live life, whether it's fighting all the time. Well, that's normal. That's the way people um, communicate. Well, that's not normal, and that's not what you want to be exhibiting to your children. So what you want your children – so you just want to exhibit to your children what you think um, – what you want to exhibit to them. Anxiety and um, depression, if the parent can figure it out on, for themselves first, then that's much better for the child. So what we present to our kids in the home is um, – going to be shown or going to mirror in in our kids the other thing i think that's contributing to it is the pressure that we're putting on our kids <clears throat> there was um an npr interview it was during COVID, i think um with somebody in colorado i think the state of colorado or the city of denver i think the state of colorado was declaring a pediatric mental health crisis um saying that the kids are just so anxious and depressed and it was a concern. And so they did an interview with the kids. And for the most part, the kids said that the reason they're going through all this is because parents put, and schools, um, put so much pressure on them that they are just, they have no time to, they have no downtime. They have no time to just be. And the younger kids have no time to just be kids. They're overscheduled and they're pressured and it's, it's too much. Life is just too busy with busyness, not necessarily good, you know, good stuff, but just for the sake of being busy. Um, And it's just, I think it's just wearing them out and it's making them, um, yeah, anxious and depressed because it's, it's not a way for a child or for anyone to live anyways. I think any of us would agree that life is a little bit too much sometimes, but for kids, it can get to be way too much. And if we're, and we're creating that as parents, we are putting the pressure on them. Um, every yeah, it, it, we're doing it to, to them. So to, to I said the answer yeah. is to back off on the pressure and um, re-examine priorities in life and time and and your child. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what what are some examples of how your approach has helped parents with their children? Well, I think probably um, in general, I talk with parents about think, a couple of things that I find really important is time and nature. That, um, and I don't have specific um, examples of how I've seen this work. I just I just know that it <laughs> that it does. Time and nature. They give mm-hmm. your child some time to be just out in nature without. Um, just time in nature outside, breathing in the air, the negative ions in the air are really beneficial for their brains. 
time in nature has shown that it helps with ADHD problems and with depression. It's definitely shown that it helps with depression, the negative ions in the air, which are, in fact, good for you. So time in nature is unquestionably one easy thing for um, parents to do for their kids. Problems are not problems. It's just a good thing to do. But more specifically to what I teach, and my, again, it comes back to the elements, is um, I had a 14-year-old mm, girl come in for headaches for acupuncture. So I was treating her um, for her headaches. And as I would talk with the mom, we started talking about element types and what her daughter is like and what she is like and the family members are like. And so the mother thought that her child was, that her daughter was depressed because she was really withdrawn. She liked to go home after school and just spend time in her room drawing. She was an amazing artist. And she only had a couple of friends. She did well in school. She just, she just likes her time alone. And the mother was the opposite. The mother was a fire type and she was really sociable, really active, really always going, always had plans, was really quite opposite from her daughter. And her daughter was a water type, and it's completely normal for a water type to want to be alone. They're more withdrawn. They like, they're really much more creative. They're in their heads. So I pointed out how opposite the two of them were and that her daughter does not need to be going out and making all these friends, doing all these social activities like the mother does. That's, that works great for the mother, but not the daughter. So once she saw that, because um, she really thought that her daughter was depressed, she had taken her to a psychologist, and the psychologist and I both convinced her that her daughter is not depressed, it's just the way she is, and to let, let that be. Don't, don't infringe your, um, how you think that she should be, because that's the way, that she, for mom, not to infringe what she thinks she should be, because that's the way that the mother is. That's just that didn't work for the daughter. So that was really, really it was just making the mother aware, opening her eyes and saying, oh, wow, she's not depressed, this is just the way she is. And so that awareness did, did a whole lot of good. Yeah, I would think so. And um, when once that awareness, you know, enters into a parent's um, brain, brain, um, is, is it then um, incumbent upon them to um, motivate, you know, their children using um, activities that would, you know, kind of support or, you know, their particular mm -hmm. style. So in other words, did the mother kind of, you know, back off from trying to force her to have, you know, friends and, and then maybe increase in the mother the idea of art, you know, or, or exposing her yes. to art or something like that. So yep. I guess my point is, is that once you recognize it, then where does the responsibility lie for the communication. So, yeah, the responsibility is for the parents to provide as much opportunity to feed their strengths. And their strengths, if their strengths are not probably bad characteristics, they're probably whatever it may be, whether they want to, whether they are technical and mechanical and like to take apart computers and put the computer back, whatever it is, or art, or if they just love to be to run and they want to be a track runner, whatever it is, if that's what they really want, well, and if that's part of what their nature is, then, yeah, it's our responsibility to support that. And um, not exclusively, that's, as, a, as you had talked about, experimenting with different things, providing opportunity for them to try different things because 
an artist may love just want to be in a room and do art, but she also may like to go out and hear music at a, at a musical venue mm-hmm. or provide them with opportunities to explore and expand. Um, just, just being aware of, of where they're coming from and what they may like and what they don't like, but we don't know for sure. Exposing them is certainly um, a helpful thing to do for kids. But yeah, capitalizing on their strengths is um, the most important thing to do. Yeah, very much. Um, and um, earlier in the show, we kind of touched on the idea of having the child um, balance, you know, from inside, you know, and, and the, having a, a peaceful kind of um, inside. Um, and then you mentioned not having to run to social media for validation. Mm, yeah. What What is your opinion of technology and, you know, the, just social media in general. Yeah, I think that, um, let me do some more reading, current reading on this. I think that social media is, um, can be really detrimental to kids at certain ages, um, especially preteens and teens, because they are getting their validation or more commonly invalidation um, from social Mm -hmm. media. And it's just not, it's not based on reality. It's not realistic. It's, it's, um, I think that it's really damaging. And um, there was a quote in a book that I read a while ago, the um, something of the conscious mind. And they quoted one of the original founders of Facebook saying, you know, God knows what this, what we're doing to our kids' brains. And this is as they were developing Facebook. So uh, this is at the calling of the American, of the, American mind. So, yeah, I think that it's designed, the, the dopamine hit when you get a like and a heart, they knew that when they were designing Facebook, um, they knew that that's what, that's what they were looking for is to do a click and another click and another click because you get the dopamine hit. It's, it's, it's medical, it's scientific, and it's um, a problem <laughs> because our kids are in, the, in their developmental years are trying to figure out who they are and what, what, what they are like in other people's eyes and, and social media is the big avenue for them to find out what others get their validation from that, which is just not the right place to do it because it's not, it's not real. It's not, it's not realistic. As for technology in general, technology I think is, is great. Our, this, these new generations, I say these new cause I'm old too, <laughs> um, but kids that are, there's, they they have a it's almost in their DNA how to handle laptop um, computers and phones and technology AI technology way beyond what I know anything about and it's just it's just in their DNA and I think that it's a great thing it can be misused as anything can be but um, it's um, it's here to stay and we want to help our kids learn to use it responsibly and like I say my kids teach me about my- my my phone and my laptop, and it's a. I think it's a great thing. Um, so technology is yeah. not inherently a, a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And you know, and I, you know, when you talk about kids being proficient, I'm, you know, I have been out at restaurants, and it's, I'm amazed at the parents who pacify their children with a little game yeah. iPhone little pad you know and, and the child isn't even talking yet but they're you know zooming around the you know 
that's that's very true. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And so when I say technology is fine, phones are definitely not so fine. Uh, They're fine, but it's how we how we use them and how we allow our kids to use them. And I, I, you know, I know what you're talking about when you see them using them as entertainment. And I think in a crisis mm-hmm. situation, that's great um, and it keeps the child happy. But it can also be phones are also dividing us. People just have their noses in their phones and don't even know how to say hello to each other anymore in person. Um, so I think it's the, the phones, the technology itself is great, but it's how we choose to use it is not is not so great these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, and I, I guess it's you know, moderation, you know, and, and oh, yeah. guidance is really exactly. the key when, you know, when it comes to that. Um, so what is, if you, you have parents listening now who maybe haven't um, you know, absorbed or haven't um, taken the holistic uh, route to parenting, uh, what, what are maybe uh, a couple things that you would say to parents listening who maybe haven't employed that style but want to. What, what are a couple easy things maybe they can start with? Um, I would suggest learning about um, mindfulness, which is, and you don't have to get way deep into any kind of a mindfulness course. Just be aware, mindful, be aware of what mindfulness is, which is really just um, – Paying attention to what is happening in the moment without judgment. That's kind of John Kabat-Zinn's definition of it. Paying attention to what is happening, what's happening in the moment without judgment. So if your child is throwing a tantrum, you can either scream at them back to stop having a tantrum, or you can take a step back and say, okay, my child's having a tantrum here. Well, what am I going to do about it? And it and it brings the it, it brings it down a notch or two if you can step back and say, okay, this is what's happening. Breathe again, breathe, and then decide how you want to respond rather than just automatically react. So, so um, learning mindfulness, or just being aware of what mindfulness is in your day to day interactions, I think is one way to start with holistic parenting. And the other is to find out what your child's element type is and start and start being aware of who what their what their inner essence is, what their Buddha nature is, and once you're aware of it, then keeping that in mind with during the interactions and with your child and the guidance with your child, knowing what their inner essence is, I think is a really is a big eye opener. It makes us aware, I think, in a better way, a more comprehensive way of who our kids are. So those are the two things I would suggest. Okay, great, great. So if there's any um, any information, so we're down the last five minutes. Is, is there anything in particular that you may that we didn't cover that you think is you know important or that that you might want to leave our listeners with? Um, I would emphasize again the. Um, getting your child, getting children outside to play. Um, Because I see, I see it and I read about it that kids are just so plugged into their devices that they don't even want to go outside. It's too bright for them. The fresh air doesn't feel good to them. That's just, that is just so wrong. And it's happening more and more. In fact, there's a problem called nature deficit disorder because kids are not getting enough time in nature and nature has been shown 
through research studies that it is so beneficial. And the fact that we are disconnecting from the outside like that is just, that's that does not bode well. I think that's a real problem. So get your, get your kids outside. You don't have to live near woods or near a beach or near anything fancy. Go to the park and just walk on the grass, just having time outside in fresh air. Um, and the more into nature you can get, the better it is for for kids. And kids love it. It's not a it's not difficult. <laughs> it's it's just being mindful of the fact that gee, let's go spend some time in nature rather than in front of the TV or in front of the laptop. So that I think yeah. is really important. And I also think it's important for parents to lighten up on themselves um, in spite of everything mm-hmm. that I say about what we should be doing and it's our responsibility. Parents, if they can just, again, take a step back and look at the whole whole picture and say, you know, I think parents, I think, need to play a little bit more. Play more, yell less, and um, enjoy the time with their kids. And um just lighten up on themselves. Don't you do it? Parents do the best job they possibly can. So be happy with that. Just do the best you can and enjoy it for as much as you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I did notice on Facebook you have a group called Mums on a Mission, consciously connecting with our kids. So can you tell us um, a little bit about that for those who use Facebook as a platform? Yeah, I. Um, I post, I do postings there sometimes, um, and I encourage people to, um, parents to talk and ask questions and, you know, offer up their own suggestions or advice or, or not, or if they're looking for suggestions or advice, and that's a good place to go. Um, I put there a lot of times my podcast episodes that I am either a guest on or hosting, and so there's all kinds of topics on there that um, are, can be helpful. They're worth they're worth looking at. Great, great. Well, thank you for your time today, Julie. I've really enjoyed our chat, and and I know that it'll help parents out there kind of, you know, navigate parenting more consciously. So, thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, Robert. It was a pleasure being here. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Julie Phillips Hatch. And we've been talking about her new book, A Parenting Revolution for Higher Evolution, Raising Resilient, Responsible, Compassionate Kids from the Inside Out. And again, you can find out more by visiting Julie's website, which is www.juliephillipshatch.com. And if you're on Facebook, definitely check out her group, Moms on a Mission. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bite Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. <laughs>